our hands and bow our knees and worship at your throne. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right So we've got the power 
got the power in the name of the Lord. And though Satan rages, we cannot be defeated. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. One more time. Oh, we've got the power in the name of Jesus. We've got the power in the name of the Lord. And though Satan rages, we cannot be defeated. So we've got the Sing, um, I have found the way, same key. So now I have found the way. Oh, now I have found the way. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Now I have found the way. Yonder in the glory land And the road is bright For Jesus is the light And I hold His guiding hand Oh, now I have found the way And I have found the way Oh, now is so near, I will bravely meet the foe, happy songs I'll sing in honor of the King, and to glory onward go, oh now I have found the way, and I have found the Nevermore in sin to roam. By the way called straight, I'll reach the golden gate of the soul's eternal home. Oh, now I have found the way. Oh, now I have found the way. Oh, now glory. Hallelujah. 
yes, I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. No pain nor death can enter there. I feel like traveling on. Yes, I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. It's glittering towers. The sun outshine. I feel like traveling on. That heavenly mansion shall be mine. I feel like traveling on. Oh yes, I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling. I feel like traveling on Which flames devour Or waves or flow I feel like traveling on Oh yes, I feel like traveling on I feel like traveling on My heavenly home is I feel like traveling on, I feel like traveling on, my heavenly home is bright and fair, I feel like traveling on. Amen. We'll go ahead and uh, slow it down just a bit. Uh, just a quick announcement uh, that Brother Barry wanted me to make that he's on his way. Thank you. He just got caught in traffic, so uh, we'll just sing a few more songs until he gets here. Um, so uh, let's just sing that song, uh, Jesus. There's just something about that name and see. Oh, Jesus and Jesus, Like the fragrance 
Steve here, and uh, let's sing that song, Only Believe, as uh, Brother Steve comes this afternoon. Only believe, only believe, that all things are possible. your seats just for a second. Thank you, musicians. That'll be all. Welcome to the E-Retreat. This is very weird for me, uh, doing it this way, uh, but I hope it's not too weird for you. Uh, Just the world seemed to uh, be working in a way that the Lord allowed us to get together in this method, of which we are thankful for, aren't we? So if you're listening online, welcome, and uh, I know it's Maybe perhaps a little bit, a little bit of a disappointment to you, but uh, regarding illnesses and sicknesses, we want to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Isn't that right? So we just want to be careful. So it's good to be with you in this format, and I am excited for all that the Lord has in store for all of us, and I hope you are too. One of the most, uh, I think, best things about retreat to me, when a youth retreat is the fact that everybody would come with an expectation, which I think is true of any camp, but especially of when youth retreat, being a little bit of an older age, uh, starting at around 17, 18, uh, I I think it was just a special um, age group, and they came with expectations. I want to learn. At least that's the way I came. And so when I came with that expectation, I always walked away with something. Retreat had a significant impact on my life, and it continues to have a significant impact on my life. Uh, in, in this way. So I, I'm excited to be able to speak to all of you both that are in this room, uh, which is just a few, and then all of those that are away. Uh, Brother Jack, 
Uh, I didn't get to talk to you at men's meeting, but I, I hope to be able to say hello to you. And I, I wish I could be here tonight, but I got to go home and preach my service for my church. But we'll be praying for you and looking forward. And I hope the, the Lord just flows right through and uh, has us all in his mind, which I know he does. And so we want to just pray for everybody. Let's just pray really quick, if you don't mind. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for truth. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to hear it. And Lord, we subject ourselves to the word of God right now. We, bring our, uh, we ask that you would bring our hearts and our minds subject to the word of God. And that it alone would, re- would be the absolute. And that you would use it to instruct us, to guide us to encourage us, maybe bring us out of our comfort zones a little bit. Lord, in whatever way you would choose to speak to us, I pray that you would have the preeminence to do so. We give you this time, we give you these moments into your hands to do with as you please. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, do we ask. Amen and amen. Well, uh, again, just a a thank you to Brother Barry and uh, to all of those who are... uh, uh, here, I want to jump right in to the uh, sermon that I have. Everybody excited to be able to hear the Word of God? Amen. Good. If you have your Bibles, hold them, keep them with you. Uh, just out of curiosity, who, who is underneath 20? Raise your hands. 20 does, it, well, yes, underneath 20. So 20 and up, I guess, counts. That's a very good question. <laughs> well, I'm right there, so. <laughs> You're right there. That's a good question. Uh, okay, thank you. And I, I know there's a lot of people who are listening, so this this um, audience is small. If you are listening, but I just wanted to um, get a, get a feel for that. So, uh, yesterday, Sister Sarah and I and a few others we went to Hawksville. I don't know if you anybody ever been to Hawksville. Uh, Hawksville is just a, the coolest place. It's, it's really neat. So in our town, in Morganton, and uh, even in uh, Blowing Rock and Boone and from a lot of surrounding areas, you can see uh, Hawksville and Table Rock. It's, a, very, it's a, a well-known spot. So if you live in Morganton, it's, everything is Table Rock. Table Rock printers, Table Rock everything. So they stand out. So they're very visible in the, um, uh, to our town. And so Sister Sarah and I, uh, we hiked to the top. And we've done this before, um, but we, we did this just specifically yesterday. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's an easy hike. It's like 1.5 miles, so it's not Everest. But when you get to the top, there's a sense of accomplishment that you have. And so we were up there, and we were enjoying the views, and it was right around sunset. And I took this picture, uh, and the sun rays were coming through the... Um, to the mountains, and that little peak that you see right there is Table Rock. So you're on Hawksville, you're looking over at the other peak, and it's it's a very it's a it's actually a very high peak, and it's um it, it's a, a really cool place as you can see from the picture. So uh, I was just sitting there and I was looking at this, um, looking at the view, and I was looking at everything, and I was looking at the sun coming through the clouds, and I was just thinking, um, what what an amazing perspective that is. This is really cheesy, okay, so just follow along with me. But I was standing at the top, and I was thinking, what, what an amazing perspective this is. 
And I, I just began to think, and I was, I was uh, thinking about you all, and I just began to think, you, don't, you, you just do not get that perspective from the valley. You just don't. And I, I, I just began to think, Lord, I, I, and again, as cheesy as it is, Lord, in, in, in whatever way is possible, please elevate my perspective. As I grow older, uh, you know, with, with age comes, they say, with age comes wisdom. With age comes understanding. Uh, just by living, you get better at certain things. You, you, you grow up a little bit just by growing old. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily directly correlate to maturity. So I, I, I looked at that and I said, Lord, change and elevate my perspective where I need to be elevated. Allow me to, to have the mountaintop perspective because you just won't get that from the valley. It's beautiful from the valley, but it's not the same perspective. I, I don't think God wants us to have just the perspective from the valley. This is an age, just speaking from a, um, a doctrinal standpoint, this is an age of elevated perspective. It's an eagle age. We've gone from the, the lion, the ox, the man to the eagle. This is an age of elevated perspective. And I don't want to have the, just the perspective of being in the valley. I want to be on the top of the mountain. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you don't mind, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. And I want to talk about an elevated perspective. I want to talk about um, in, a, in a variety of ways here. I want to bring it into our understanding of, of how we can elevate our perspective. Philippians chapter 3. Now, uh, interestingly about Philippians, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. I've spoken from this pulpit many times uh, from the book of Philippians. I've said um, some of the things that I'm going to be going into from this pulpit, but my heart is just pulled in this direction. Paul wrote the book of Philippians while chained to a prison wall. So he wrote it under extreme uh, uh, duress. He, he was in a very difficult circumstance, and he wrote the book of Philippians from that perspective. But you don't see him talking about that. You see him talking about the spiritual maturity that he now lives with. So even though he's living in that kind of circumstance, his perspective has been elevated to a whole new level. So when you read the book of Philippians, you can see in plain view what it's like to be a spiritually mature Christian. It's pretty cool. Philippians chapter 3, start at verse 7. Actually, let's start at verse 4. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. I was circumcised the eighth day uh, of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew, of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching righteousness, which is of the law blameless. So in other words, he's saying, if anybody has a right to boast, it would be me. Because uh, when I was a Hebrew, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. So I was the Mac Daddy of Hebrews that you could possibly be. So if anybody was going to be good, it was going to be me. So that's what he's saying. If anybody had a right to boast, it would have been me. He goes on to say, verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. 
the righteousness which is of God by faith. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death by, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I already attained. Either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize, the high calling of Christ Jesus. Now, I want to ask you all a question. How many of you all believe in God? Good. I think it's everybody. And we all believe in God. I think that's why we're here. I think that's why you're here, unless your parents dragged you, unless your parents were going to send you to camp. Um, you believe in the Holy Spirit? Anybody believes in the Holy Spirit? You believe that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Do you really believe that the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is someone who you can experience? A lot of times I wonder if people don't actually believe that, but they just say they do. I, I, I see it in old, in young, in all, all age groups. I wonder if people actually believe in him. Or if they just have, if they've slipped into this deistic view of, of thinking, well, I believe God exists, but I don't feel him as I would like to, so therefore I believe he exists, but I'm just going to do my own thing. And that's not really truly believing in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and his ability to influence and to affect you. That's just saying, yes, I believe that God is real, but he's kind of armed, arm's distance from me. The people in the Old Testament, they would do that. They... they um, they wanted to be close to God. And God came down on Mount Sinai, and he, he was there in the raw power of God. And then the people said, oh, no, not that close. I wanted God close, but not that close, because now I'm a little bit uncomfortable. Now he's, now it's, now he's coming into my comfort zone a little bit. The Scripture very clearly says, draw nigh unto him, and he will in turn draw nigh unto you. But a lot of times people don't want him that close. So you'll stop him and say, ah, I didn't want that, I didn't want that. I kind of want to just keep in my comfort zone here and keep doing the things that I do. I really don't want him that close. That's what the, the children of Israel did. It caused some issues. Moses, meanwhile, went right up into the raw power of God on that mountain and was called the friend of God. That's the kind of relationship that I want. So I ask you again, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? That's, that's wonderful. The scripture says um, in James uh, that it says, Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe, and they tremble. So let me ask you another question. Do you believe in Satan? Everybody raise their hands if you believe in Satan. Everybody believe in Satan? You believe in demons? Demons do be real. Everybody believe in demons? A lot of times we can, um, you know, we, we believe... Now, I believe this. I don't believe a Holy Ghost-filled believer can be possessed of a demon because light and darkness can't exist in the same place. I don't believe a Holy Ghost-filled believer can be possessed of a demon, but I do believe that they can be oppressed. How many of you believe in the oppression of the enemy? That's a real thing. 
A lot of times we say, yes, I believe in the Holy Ghost. Yes, I believe in God. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm realized I'm speaking to the uh, retreat is a 20-plus crowd. So if you're younger than that, then great, listen up. But I'm speaking to older people than that. I'm really focusing on that 20 to 30 age range. So when I say, yes, we believe in the Holy, we believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe in God, but do you also believe in the devil? Do you believe in demons? Do you believe that they are real? Do you believe that they are there? Because the devils themselves, they believe in God. So you say, yes, I believe in God, but the devils also believe that. Do you believe in Satan, and do you believe in the enemy? That's a really good question. It's a good thing to come to our mind. It may seem really simple, but I'm just challenging your, your, your perspective a little bit here. Now, uh, begin, uh, you know, if you, if you go back through, I, uh, sometimes I wonder, Brother Branham said um, many different ways he, he made this, uh, uh, this statement. He said, a lot of times people just aren't aware of the presence of God or aware of the presence of the enemy. And there's where the trouble can, become, uh, can, can be had, is when you're not aware of the presence of God. So you come into church, you feel him, you, you have a wonderful experience, you have a, a camp experience, and then a couple weeks after camp, you're right back where you were because your habitual nature overrides just being in the presence of God. And so you as an individual, as a human being, have to become aware of the presence of God and create an environment where the Holy Spirit is welcome in your room, in your home, wherever you are, so that he can be welcome and so you can have that presence affect you, not just at the camp, not just at the altar, but continually. Because when you go home, the, the habitual nature of who you are will kick back in and you'll fall right back into the routine that you claimed you were delivered from. Because we believe in the Holy Ghost, you also have to believe in the enemy and that he has nothing better to do than to get at you. That's his job. What else is the devil going to do? I mean, seriously, what, else is, what, are, what are the demons going to do? They don't have days off. They have nothing else to do. They don't work jobs. They don't do this in their spare time. They're real. The enemy is real. It's in a different dimension. You may not be able to see it with your visible eyes. It is real. Just as real as God is on the throne, the enemy is out to get you. That is a reality. Sometimes I wonder if we don't just... We, we, we hold that as a truth, as a solid truth. Because if we can be aware of the presence of God and aware of the enemy, then we'll be able to make more spiritual, spiritually aligned decisions. Right? It's kind of common sense. So we have to be aware then of the enemy and the wiles of the devil. Everybody in Scripture was kind of in alignment with this. Peter, he says, be sober, <clears throat> be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Sober and vigilant, it, it means, and I just took the amplified version, it says, remain spiritually sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. So it says, be, be uh, your, your adversary the devil, he doesn't, he doesn't have anything better to do. So... Be sober. Now, most of you don't know what it's like to be drunk. I actually had to Google it because I've never been drunk. Uh, so I, 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 the opposite of sober is drunk. So to be, um, I actually I wrote it down here. It means you might become emotionally unstable or get easily excited, excited or saddened. You might lose your coordination and have trouble making judgment calls and remembering things. You might have blurry vision and lose your balance. You may also feel tired or drowsy. That's the opposite of sober. Wow. So all of you uh, message kids who grew up in the message, uh, 
you just you now know what it's like to be drunk. I hope that you never become <laughs> become actually drunk. Um, so, but it's Google. It's it's exactly right. So uh, that's the opposite of sober. The scripture says, it, Peter is saying, <laughs> folks, your adversary, the devil, walks about seeking whom he may devour. That's his, that's what he does. So be sober. He's he's compelling all of us. Be sober. Be vigilant. In other words, be well-balanced, self-disciplined, and vigilant, always watchful. You tell me, when does that turn off? It doesn't turn off. It, it's not, it, it doesn't stop. The devils don't, they don't stop. They, they, oppression is real. We all believe in the enemy. You, you raised your hand. You said, I believe in the enemy. We all raised our hand. We believe in the power of God. The devils don't stop. They're there to mess with things. That's what they do. So be sober, be vigilant. Uh, Ephesians 6.12, Paul began to help us to understand the realm in which they, they work. He says, now, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We, we, we deal with things in a higher realm. Now, there's, you know, some people can say, well, I've got the Holy Ghost, so aren't I good, right? I'm, I'm not subject to, to spiritual warfare. Brother Branham, he says this. Now, a lot of people think, as soon as you, you see Jesus, that's all over. Glory to God, I've got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now I'll just lay down and take it easy. You're no, you're no subject of the Holy Ghost yet. Listen, when you, when you got the Holy Ghost, right then, when you hit your trouble, that's when it starts. Exactly. That's when you got to fight. That's what it's give for. It's a sword. That's right. That's when your fight starts. So this business of, well, I got the Holy Ghost, so I don't have to be worried about you know, uh, what the enemy is going to do to me. He, he oppresses a Holy Ghost-filled believer. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, then that's a, that's a whole other subject entirely, isn't it? We, have to, we must seek the Holy Ghost. But when you have the Holy Ghost, that's when the fight starts. The devil is going to do, is going to do no good to himself by attacking that which is already dead. He's got that. So what's the point of doing that? What he's going to attack is that which holds life. And Jesus Christ is the life of men. Are you with me? So he's obviously, you are the target if you possess the Holy Ghost. That's, that's his target. That's his objective. To, to try to snuff out the, the life of Christ. That's what he wants to do. He, his pride it, it doesn't allow him to stop that. He, he wants to snuff out the, the life of Christ. So that which possesses life, he will attack. That's, that's what he does. That's what he's been doing from the beginning. He that committeth sin is, is, is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning for the purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. He, he's been sinning from the beginning. He will continue to do so for the entirety of your life until the bride is gone from this earth. So in other words, you will experience the, the difficulty of this life and, and the, the, the trials that come as a result of the spiritual warfare that ensues until you're taken out of this world. Now, God is doing different things in different times in our lives, right? There's times of waiting. There are times of, of trial. There is time of training. But there is also a time of peace and joy. I believe that. God is never not doing anything in your life, but neither is the devil. 
So you may think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm where I need to be spiritually, or I, I want to be where I am spiritually. That desire alone is not enough to thwart the enemy. That, that desire is the very reason the enemy is going to come after you. Lord, I want to be right. I want to have a, I want to have a, a, a walk with you that, that is pleasing to you. I, there's no doubt that everybody wants that. But that desire is the exact reason the enemy pursues you. It's common sense. So you have to understand, well, yes, I want to be a believer. Yes, I believe in the Holy Ghost. Believe also in the enemy. And believe also in his desire to snuff out the desire of Christ that you have that God put there. Because you didn't come to the Holy Ghost. He brought you to himself. He found you. Isn't that right? Thus, we have the tug of war. Brother Branham preaches the sermon. The greatest battle ever fought is in the mind. We've all heard the sermon. If you haven't listened to it, you should go listen to it. The playground that Satan plays on is the mind. That's his playground. That's where he he deals with. So human human being, we have a body, spirit, soul. Um, We have... Uh, uh, there's a certain makeup that is a, a, a human being. That, that's what he does, and that's what he's done from the very beginning, is, uh, is, is, is uh, doing that. So the, um, the thing that we also have to understand about this, okay? So we understand there's a tug of war. It, the, the battle rages in the mind. I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But the thing that we have to understand is this right here. In this revelation, he tells us what the end of the devil is. He tells us that he's going to deal with the devil and cast him into the lake of fire. He reveals the end of the wicked ones who follow Satan, and Satan hates it. You happen to know the end of the enemy. So there's a, a perspective shift here that we have to have in acknowledging, yes, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We also believe in the enemy. But we also know the end of the enemy. So your perspective as a message believer is very different than that of the world. Your, your standpoint or your perspective, your view from a scriptural standpoint, which is the message standpoint, is, that, is very different than the world because you know the end of the enemy. You know, you know what's going to come to the, to the end of it. Now, I would say it like this. The message of the hour, um, when, I, when I witness the message of the hour, I, 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 it's, to me, it's a, very, it's a good thing. It's not, it's not something that is, um, I don't look at it as a negative. Right. A lot of people can look at it as a negative, right. and it's not. Amen. The message of the hour is, to whom God would make known the riches of his glory, this mystery among the Gentiles, all of you, all y'all are Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Yes. The message of the hour is the expressed thoughts of Jehovah. Yes. It's the unveiling of the word, which is the expression, the expressed thoughts of Jehovah, which is you. Amen. You are an expressed thought of Jehovah. You are flesh of his flesh. Everybody listening to me? Guys, listening? The expressed thoughts of Jehovah. You are, as the scripture says in, Colossians, or, uh, in Ephesians 5, you are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. You are a part of him. That part of him, which is now inside of you, which is, Brother Ben, I'm talking about you being your soul, it's born again. That's the life of Christ that's on the inside of you. That's flesh of his flesh and bone of his bone. You are a part of Christ. That desire that you have to serve him and the willingness to surrender to him and to receive the Holy Spirit, that, that's God in you. And so the, the message of the hour, when the seventh angel shall begin to sound, Revelation 10, 7, we all know that scripture, right? Everybody know that scripture? Uh, when it shall begin to sound, it should be finished. The mystery, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. Right? 
Brother Branham preached that sermon, Christ is the mystery of God revealed. That to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So then Paul turns right around and he says, hey, greater is he that's within you than he that is within the world. So we understand that we have a, a, a victory, but here's what I want you to understand. A lot of people say, well, why do I have to fight? Why do I, like, everybody says it's a fight and it's, you have to fight spiritually and things like that. You have to understand that the, the mystery of God is Christ in you. Paul also said uh, uh, in, in the next chapter, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. So you can accomplish all things through Christ. Now, everybody listen to me, okay? Everybody, is this okay? Everybody listening? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, the mystery unto the Gentiles. That's the message of the hour to me. Not to oversimplify, but I, I find that God wraps himself in simplicity, but God is not simple. But he reveals himself in the same. The mystery of the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, he, he also said, every promise in the book is yours, right? What's a promise that is mine? A promise of a rapture. I believe that I'm going in a rapture. I believe that he's, he is coming and he will, he will take me to the fullness of my redemption. I believe that that, that is a promise of mine. I also believe that he, he's promised me uh, uh, to overcome. The, the promise of being an overcomer uh, to them uh, uh, who endure until the end, the same shall be saved, right? Even in that endurance, there is, there is a promise. The, the, the fight that you have, and Paul and all the apostles would say, this brief moment, this life, this time that we have, um, uh, uh, this moment that we have, which is called our life. It's, it's our life. It's however brief a moment of time, however old you are, however young you are, that, that moment that, that's called life, that, that momentary uh, um, fight, that, that struggle, that time is when you fight to fulfill the promise. So you, you have to understand now, we fight because the victory has already been obtained, but in the fight, the attribute of God is unveiled. So if, if there is no fight... Daily, Brother Branham says, in the, hard rea- in the harsh realities of everyday living, uh, the, the Christian life is made known. Yes. Right? So in that harsh reality, in that fight, in that pursuance, in that endurance, in that pressing forward, in that f- one foot in front of the other Christian walk, the fulfillment of the promise is made known because you are the fulfillment of the promise. You are an attribute of God. So the fight, the reason that you fight against the enemy, the reason that God allowed the fight to, to be there, the reason that he set the stage of war and he allowed the tug of war to happen, he created you with a body, spirit, and a soul. He created you with a mind of which is the devil's playground. The reason that that is, is because God would never have been able to fully express himself as an overcomer unless it wasn't for you fighting through to see it. That's why we fight, is so that you can be the, the manifested word of the hour. Amen. Remember, it's Christ in his bride. It was a threefold purpose of God, fully uh, 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 express himself in Christ, poured himself into the bride and fully express himself in the bride of Jesus Christ, and then to bring us back to what it was in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. Amen. That's his purpose. And so you being the expression of the manifested word, that's what, that's what it's all about. 
So, that being the case, that perspective that you have, that means you don't fight for victory. As Brother Barry said a long time ago, and I've always held this, we fight from the perspective of victory. We've got the promise. Every promise in the book is mine. We all, you all said you believed in the Holy Spirit. Every promise of the Holy Spirit is yours. Are you with me? And so you fighting and you pushing forward and you defeating the enemy is the manifested Word being made known to a world that doesn't know Christ. It doesn't know. That, that, that's why it says, let your works, uh, the, the, um, uh, your works is what man sees in you. That is the expression of the Word, is when you stand on the Word of God and the Holy Ghost comes and ignites that and brings it to life in your life. That's, that's the reality of the message of the hour, is Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you can, achieve all, you can accomplish all things through Christ who strengthens you. So you walking in the Word, walking in the light for your day, and putting one foot in front of the other and pressing forward and reaching forth is the expression of who God is in this day. That is cool. To me, that, that just that gives me the, the, the desire to wake up in the morning and to say, because He lives, I can face tomorrow. That's a reality. Everybody believe in that reality? We fight to fulfill the promise of God. Paul said it like this, but thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I would also say this. Um, uh, Paul said in, in, in Romans chapter 5, he, he had the perspective of glorying in the tribulations. So you, you as, as uh, you know, if you, let's say you're, you're 20 and above, if you're 20 and below, um, you've got different decisions to make. If you're 20 and above, it is a hard uh, world to live in. It just is. Um, mostly because of the easy living that we have in Laodicea, especially if you live in America. I'm sorry, it's just, it's easy living, right? There's a lot of jobs. I'm sorry, you may not agree with that. There are a lot of jobs out there. If you show up for work and you apply yourself and you uh, are are a a decent person, you can get a job. You can get a job easy. I'm I'm sorry. I I disagree with people say, well, there ain't no work out there. That is not true. That's right. um, so uh, the, the, we, we realize that, that this is the case. Paul said, I, I glory in my tribulations. That means in the, in the life in which we live, in this place, even in the easy living, there can be tribulation. He says, we glory in that, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience. And experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We glory in our tribulations. So as you go through your life, I want you to remember to glory in the tribulations because it's through the tribulations that Christ is made known. We fight because we have the victory, not for the victory. You're not fighting and trying to push through and say, well, if I could only have done that better, if I would just been a better person in this last week, or if I hadn't have done this, I hadn't have done that. You, your perspective is wrong. No, we're fighting and we're pushing forward through the power of the Holy Ghost. As Paul said, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection. If anybody would have been a good Hebrew, it would have been me, as Paul was saying. I'm a really good Hebrew. I just was. But I count it all a loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ to know that it is not me, it is Christ in me, the hope of glory. 
And so I push forward, I press towards the mark, I push forward in all of these things so that I may know him and I count everything as a loss. Everything else. That's what we have to do. In the pursuit. Now, this is my, this is my main statement. Okay, if you don't walk, if you don't, if you don't get anything else from this message, I, I wanted to boil it down into one sentence. Sometimes we need to just grow up spiritually. I'll say it like this. We need to just grow up spiritually. Sometimes you, you, you know, I, I have, I have experienced this in myself. So I'm not talking about you. I'm mostly talking about myself. But I have seen 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 year olds who just have not grown up. They act like children. And it's a shame. If this is really the age of elevated perspective, then along with that should come a spiritual maturity that is able to discern the times and the signs of the age and also apply it in their own personal lives. So you can't tell me that, oh, I've got an elevated experience of the message. I've got a doctrinal understanding, which is a lot, a lot, what a lot of people will work themselves into. I've got, I've got all of this. I've got all the understanding. But over here, you are spiritually immature. You are like a child. You think like a child. You act like a child. I don't want to be that. Okay, so I'm, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about Steve here. I don't want to be 50. I don't want to be 60 and be looking back and say, boy, I need to grow up. I, I, um, I, uh, this past year and a half, I've started to run and jog and work out. Reason being is because I don't want to be 60 and look back and say, boy, I wish I had worked out. I don't want to have a bunch of medical problems that could have been avoided by just daily exercise and, and somewhat of a decent, healthy diet, you know, which is not hard. Well, actually, it's very hard. <laughs> that is hard. Uh, it takes discipline. <laughs> I don't want to be 60 and be looking back and think, man, what, why did I do that? God gave me this body. He gave me one body. Why didn't I just take care of it? I don't want any what ifs. I don't want any if I hads. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, I, I, I have done this for a year and a half, so I'm trying to work myself not into, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose this much weight. I'm going to do this. All I've done is try to build a healthy habit. So now I'm thinking like a jogger instead of saying, I want to jog 10 miles. And I've totally shifted my perspective. So I'm able now to think, I, I, don't, I feel horrible when I don't jog. And you know what? If I just go out and jog 0.5 miles, it's better than nothing. You understand? So I've built that discipline over the, uh, uh, over the last couple um, years. We need to take that kind of thinking and apply it also to our spiritual journey. And you as individuals, as young people, you're going to have to spiritually grow up. This is not the age to be spiritually immature. This is not the age to kid yourself. You, you should not be 25 years old and coming into church, coming into a camp and saying, Lord, I, I, I need you. I want, a, I want an experience and be the exact same way that you were the last year. Of what value is that to yourself? Of what value is that to anybody else around you? Uh, that's, that shows a lack of spiritual maturity when you're going through the same thing, the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. When Christ wants to bring you forward, God is never in the, in the business of, of stagnation. He doesn't want you to remain the same. He stays the same. Thanks be to God for that. But thanks be to God, I don't. 
I can change. Why do I say that? Because the scripture says, behold, all things in Christ, behold, all things are made new. Old things are passed away. So I don't believe that you, can, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Because the scripture says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Within the power of the resurrection, as Paul said, that I may know him in the power of the resurrection, is the ability to change. Is the ability for the Holy Spirit to mold you and to shape you and to shape your thinking, to hone your discernment, to shape the ability of you to approach life and a life decision to say, that's wrong or that's not going to wind me up where I want to be. That is, is, is looking at something with spiritual maturity. And I think we just need to grow up spiritually. I, I don't want you to be 50 or 60 or 70 and looking back and saying, maybe I just need to grow up. Now, Paul said kind of the same thing here. And, and in this chapter, he's speaking about love. He's talking about the spiritual gifts and then he pauses. He talks about love, the greatest of the gifts. And it's almost as if he's talking about the spiritual gifts and the application of them in the church, which is the order of the apostolic church. And then he stops and he says, now listen, you can have all of this, but unless you have love, you have nothing. So he begins to explain that. Then he goes right back into the gifts and begins to explain it. So at the very end of this chapter, he says, for, for, you know, I, I, you, you grow up in, in, in spiritual maturity. So he's talking about spiritual elevation and maturity. He's saying, uh, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away with. And then he, began, he turns around and he says, when I was a child, I, I spake as a child. And I, I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I, and he personalizes it, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but when then face to face. And he goes right on and he begins to say the, 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 the maturity that you have. So he takes this little verse, and, and not to take it out of context, but just to allude to the fact that he, uh, to the point that he's making here, he says something very similar to the Hebrews in chapter 5 when he says, Strong meat belongeth to them that are full of age, and even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. In other words, but solid food is for the mature, for those of you who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So, we take it back to where the, the two questions that I asked you. Yes, we believe in, in Christ. Yes, we do believe in an enemy. And we believe, just to bring it right back now, to that tug of war, Brother Branham said, that the enemy, is, is the, his battleground is in your mind. Now, God's purpose is, is not to leave you, um, uh, uh, to, to leave you without um, uh, uh, an understanding of what's going on. Paul said, this is, this is what, what I want you to understand, is that solid food is for the mature here. He says uh, in, in the next chapter, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, which is maturity. So we need to move on to maturity. So he's saying, spiritually grow. Now, Brother Branham would allude to the same thing uh, when he said, um, and I don't know if I have the quote in here, but he says, uh, um, he says, I, I would love, and, he, and I, I think a, a brother had come to him and said, hey, you need to, um, you need to talk more about uh, higher things. Aren't you a prophet? Like, talk more about higher things. And Brother Branham says, um, how am I supposed to teach people algebra 
if they, if they just they don't know their ABCs. So it's the exact same thing Brother Branham is dealing with. In other words, he's, he's dealing with spiritually immature people. He's, he's preaching to people he can't elevate because they aren't mature enough to handle it. Paul would say the exact same thing. He said, I, I, the, 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 the good stuff is for the spiritually mature. So it's, it's for those who have their abilities of discernment honed and practiced so that they can discern good from evil because we recognize that there are both. And so you as an individual living in the midst of Laodicea, your objective should be to become spiritually mature to discern between good and evil. If, if, if Satan has nothing better to do to, than to get at you and Christ is wanting to bring you higher, then you need to make sure that the enemy is not getting a foothold. I don't want to get in my head of myself. We'll talk about that in just a second. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Now, um, if, you, if you read this, uh, Brother Branham, he, he talks about a, a couple different things here, but he, he talks about um, Paul alludes to, I, I put away childish things. So in other words, I matured. Now, to me, this is a perfect example of spiritual maturity. Okay? He's chained to a prison wall. And he's writing this. He says, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but a loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. In other words, all else is a loss. There is nothing in between me and Christ. Everything else is a loss. That I may win Christ Jesus. So in other words, his, his uh, uh, priorities were in the right place. Your priorities have to be in the right place. You can say, yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, I, you know, I want to do right. But then your behavior is way out in left field. And, and you're left thinking, what's, what's the difference here? Maybe we need to realign our priorities. You, 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 just, you can't tell me, um, you know, uh, Brother Steve, I, I believe in the message. And I, as a young lady, I believe in the message. And then cut your hair. Because something's not adding up there. I mean, I, I'm, it's common sense. Exactly. Let's be real. Right. D- don't, don't sugarcoat stuff. Yes. I'm tired of people sugarcoating stuff. If you cut your hair and then you say, well, I, I, I believe that this is okay, it's not with God right. because the Word doesn't apply to that and the Holy Ghost is not going to do anything contrary to His Word. Amen. So He said, the hair of a, of, of, a, of a sister is very important to me. And so if it's important to God, then, that, that, then we have to hold to that standard, exactly right? Exactly. Now, you can take it to a little bit less of a personal uh, standard. Let's say your parents have mismanaged their finances, right? Let's say they really mismanaged their finances. That thinking is going to affect you. That thinking is going to affect you. And so you, you, can, you can begin to behave in a way that is totally... Con- I'm not talking about Dave Ramsey, Okay? That all of what Dave Ramsey said, he took from the Bible, most of it. Right. He took from the Bible. Okay, so let's talk about the Bible, and, and you can learn from Dave Ramsey on your own time. Yeah. Scriptural principles uh, uh, teach us how to work with money. Yeah. Why? Because we all spend the vast majorities of our days making money. Yeah. It, doesn't, it, it does matter. Right. He talks, Jesus talks about it a lot. It matters. So the pursuit of money matters because that's what you're going to spend the most of your life, your, your, your life doing. If you're 25, if you're 30, you've got a little bit more of an awareness of this fact. 
But the problem is that you may carry a lot of baggage from what your parents have done. So you may be staring in the face of a brand new um, Silverado. That is the only covet, uh, oxen that I covet. Uh, but I've got financial goals. My wife and I have set very firm financial goals. I cannot have a Dodge Silverado or a, a Dodge Silverado, a Chevy Silverado until uh, those goals are met. But you can be staring in the face of that brand new Chevy and, uh, and think, well, I can afford the payment. Scripturally, it's dumb. Scripturally, it, it doesn't make sense. I mean, come on. But it's become such a societal norm and your parents have, have, have perhaps said, well, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. That's the way we were raised. That's just the way it is. And so you approach that decision from a totally different perspective than and as a very solid scriptural perspective, and you make the wrong de- decision. You know who's most likely going to reap the consequences of that decision is your children, not you, your children, or your wife, your future spouse, or your husband. They are the one that's going to reap the consequences of that big hunk of debt that you will carry with you for a long time on a depreciating asset, a rapidly depreciating asset. So you take a, a simple thought like that, a simple thing like that, or you take a, a, a very spiritual matter, a, a very important matter to God, such as cutting your hair, and you, you apply these different things. Paul is saying, no, no, no. He said, I put away childish things. He says, when I was a child, I thought like that. In other words, I approached the decision-making of my life, both spiritually and physically, as a child. I thought that way. I spoke it. But I put them away. He turns right around to the Hebrews and says, no, no, this this is mature stuff for those who have the discernment to decipher between good and evil. Paul is saying here, he said, that I may win Christ. Everything else is a loss that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after it that I may apprehend that for which also I apprehended of Christ, Jesus, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended, but but um, not, not to have apprehended, that which, uh, um, uh, not as though I already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am also apprehended of Christ, Jesus. Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. I love Paul's phrasing because he said, hey, this is one thing that I do. This is one thing that I'm going to get right. I love the way he says it. He says, this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ. To me, that's the image of spiritual maturity. A guy who's, who's chained to a prison wall and writing this and then delivering that and living that, he's saying, all of it is loss so that I may win Christ. Not that I have apprehended, but I put one foot in front of the other. Not that the enemy is gone. Not that the oppression won't ever uh, uh, be, be swarming. As um, I believe it was John Wesley said, not that the birds won't be swarming around, no, swarming around your hair, but you can keep them from forming a nest in your head. Right. right? They're swarming around, but you can keep them from making a nest. Paul is saying a similar concept. He's saying, not that I have apprehended, but I press towards the mark. In other words, he is pushing towards the objective. 
He's rising with a new perspective. He's rising with a, a maturity. He's, he's risen to a level to where he can say, no, 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 I, I want to I put away childish things. I want to grow up. And I think sometimes we just need to grow up. We need to look at things objectively and critically. I would say this, that the spiritual maturity is living in the power of the resurrection. And the living in the power of the resurrection is, is, is Christ living through you, with you, with discernment, with maturity, with the ability to make decisions that are uh, 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 right in line with the Word. If, if you're making decisions that are contrary to the Word, then we're way off here. Let's get back in the center. Spiritual maturity, and I, I mean, oh, there's, there's a lot to be said here, but spiritual maturity, to me, is living in the power of the resurrection. Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection because if it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I can overcome. So if the the demon of lust is oppressing me, then I can overcome that through Christ. If poor decision-making over here, if if, if my desire over here isn't in line with the word, then he he can come in and he can change that. But sometimes you have to grow up to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to change you. There are things that are outside of our control. The longer I live, which I'm very young, the longer I live, the more I realize that there are things within my control and there are things without. As you begin to get older, 21, 22, 23, 24, you'll begin to understand there are things just without, uh, they're, they're not in my control. You're, sometimes you're, you're, um, uh, you know, your sicknesses come. Right? COVID happens. Your industry can have a job layoff and they will ju- you'll just be gone, just done like that. Right. And so things, things happen that are outside of your control, but there are a lot of things that are within your control. Amen. You can control how you act in every situation that's presented to you. So you can be mature in the situation that's presented to you. Now, um, To um, just to keep going forward here, and I was told that I had an hour and a half, but I don't. Uh, so I won't say anything about that. Uh, Brother Branham, he preached um, the, the sermon, "The Battle of the Mind," and let's just go into it. So the mind is an amazing thing. The brain is an amazing thing. Uh, in the sermon, I'm not going to re-preach the sermon. You should go and listen to the sermon, and I encourage you to do so. In the sermon, The Greatest Battle Ever Fought, <clears throat> Brother Branham is, is walking down through the different concepts, and he's walking down through the different things, and he, he talks about um, uh, Custer. He talks about, um, and I'll get to it here in just a second, but he talks about um, Custer not thinking about what he was doing. He said he got drunk, and he didn't think about what he was doing. So you take it right back to the scripture where it says, your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion. So be sober and be vigilant. In other words, be sober and watch. Be, be vigilant about what's happening. And so he's, he's explaining, and Custer made a rash decision. He didn't make the right decision because he wasn't sober. He wasn't thinking correctly. Uh, Brother Branham said that Satan approached Eve in the same way. So he approached her, and they dealt, he dealt in the mind. Okay. So in, in Laodicea, in which we live, we all know that we live in Laodicea, right? Can I get an amen from everyone? 
it's, it's, a, it's a difficult place, and I, I think that there's a, a couple of influences that are pre, uh, prevalent in um, young people, and I'm talking, let's say, you know, 15 to 30 years old. And one of the most prevalent, um, uh, uh, I guess, influences is just be you. Just be the best you you can be, right? Don't be anybody, you know, don't, don't let anybody any tell you how you should be. And that's totally contrary to Scripture. Through the foolishness of preaching, we are elevated. Our perspectives can change. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And thanks be to God that the preaching of the Word sometimes affects me. It convicts me. Through the process of conviction, I'm brought to a place where I can change. And I cannot be the me that I am. I can be better than that. I can be who Christ wants me to be. And so that thinking is prevalent in, in our society. And whether you think it or not, the Instagram videos that you watch and the TikTok videos that you watch are full of it. So you can say, yeah, Brother Steve, amen, I, I, I agree with you, but you're feeding on it probably two hours a day. So don't tell me that it doesn't bother you because I know it does. So that thinking, that perspective is shaping how you approach the Scripture. Because if the preacher says, now, you, you sisters need to be careful of this and this and this. You brothers need to be careful of this and this and this. You can say, yes, amen, I know, that's that. I know that this is the way that this works, but I'm going to do me. You understand? That is the wiles of the devil. Because what the devil is doing is using a societal influence in your mind, which is the devil's playground, to get you to think, well, I understand that, but I don't feel like I'm contradicting that scripture, so I'm just going to leave it there. In other words, I want God close, but not that close. That is a trick of Satan. Spiritual maturity and an indication of spiritual maturity is being willing to lay everything down at the altar. As Paul would say, I count all things as a loss. There is nothing holding me back from the Holy Spirit. But society will say, "Mm, no, that's in my comfort zone. I'm going to do me. You do you, I'll do me. So in other words, that's, that is a, a, a one of the influences that is in this culture that is plaguing you. And I'm sorry, it, it does. It plagues you. It, it's in film. It's in movies. It's in all the different things. Um, uh, you know, you, you just be you. Don't, don't, don't change a thing. Um, I, I was uh, 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 There are also, and I'll say this as well, there can also be spiritual influences that can also plague you. Right? There's a lot of doctrinal juju in the message. All right? There's a lot of different differences. Uh, there's, there's, um, I always find it interesting because there's, um, there would be certain people who say golf is absolutely of the devil. Golf of the devil. Brother Bantam said, I don't want to play golf because uh, there's, I mean, there are you know, women out there and stuff like that. And he said, I, I, I just don't find any enjoyment. I want to hunt. Brother Bantam, hunt, he hunted all the time, every chance he could get. He loved it. He loved being out of it. It just helped him. It was what he wanted to do. He said, if Brother, you know, if Brother Oral and all them, they want to go play golf, that's fine. Brother Branham never said that golf is of the devil and you should not play golf. Right? He never said that. Well, what can happen is that some can take that as a doctrine and say, no, 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 you shouldn't be playing golf. And it will come across the pulpit as a message standard, as a scriptural standard. You should not be playing golf. Shame on you for doing it. And then you'll uh, assimilate into that thinking and begin to think, oh, well, golf is of the devil. Yeah. So you'll be over here listening to country music driving down the road, but say, oh, golf is of the devil. We don't play golf. Oh, you're a, you're a, a hypocrite is what you are. I don't want to be a hypocrite. 
Right? I, I don't want to be a hypocrite in any, any aspect of my life. What I watch, what I do, I, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Yes, I want to be, I want to discern, you know, I'm going to be careful about what I watch. Yes. I'm going to be careful about what I listen to. Yes. Um, I'm going to be very careful not to let that, not to let that go beyond where the Holy Ghost is saying, what are you doing? Right. I want to be right in tune with the presence of God. I want the presence of God to be welcome in my home. Yes. To say, you need to shut that off. You, you need to shut it off. And I, I pray that I would have, always have the willingness to respond to the Holy Spirit's leading in my life. That is an indication of spiritual maturity. A lot of times that can be weeded out. It, it's just, it's, it's loose because Satan has what's called a toehold. Now, <clears throat> in the scripture, well, actually, let me say it like this. Um, uh, I, I have recently started climbing. I love it. I never, I didn't know it existed until a month and a half ago. And a gym uh, opened up in our, our town. So I went and I climbed. And I was, it, you know, it's bouldering. So it's like 10 feet, it's 12 feet high in these little routes. And I, I just, I went in there and, I, and my wife and I, we did it on date night. And, <laughs> sorry, honey, I may not have, should have said that. But we, we went there and we, we, we did it. And I, I thought, man, if I didn't do anything else today, I climbed to the top of that wall. That is cool. And so I, I just, I really enjoy it. A foothold is extremely important. You should actually be able to, to climb mostly using your feet, right, and, and do that. Exact same principle uh, uh, Paul is talking about here. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Pulling down of strongholds. Brother Branham, he typed it as a, um, a toehold. He said boxers, they have to have a toehold. Climbers, they have to have a toehold. So in other words, you have to have a really good piece of footing. In other words, if the enemy gets a toehold, then all different kinds of things can happen. Right? So it's the exact same principle. So let me go back. <clears throat> it's, it's the exact same principle. If you have a toehold, if the enemy can get a toehold onto you in your mind, then oppression can occur. Now listen, I believe that a Holy Ghost filled believer cannot be possessed of a, of a demon. I don't believe that. But I do believe that you can be oppressed. I believe that Satan can cause that, that he is a spirit of oppression, whatever it may be. I find that suicide is prevalent in 9 to 12-year-olds. In the last year, suicide has gone up 180%. Don't tell me this, the, the spirit of suicide isn't plaguing message kids. It is. Suicide is very prevalent. It, it, it's a spirit that is attacking individuals. Homosexuality, it attacks message believers. It's a spirit of oppression. It can be there. It can be lingering there. Now, Paul is alluding to the fact that you have, you have your mind, right? He's saying, don't let the enemy have a foothold. Don't let them have a stronghold. Because mighty are our weapons to the pulling down of those strongholds. But just to illustrate a few of those strongholds, what we have are five avenues to the spirit realm. You know what they are, right? To the mind. Reason, conscience, memory, affections, imagination. Now, I don't have time to go through all of them. Um, so let's just, let's just take a few. And I've actually spoke about this here before, if you remember. 
Um, but let's just take a few. Okay, so we have, we have reason, we have conscience, memory, affections, imagination. Here's the interesting thing about this. This is you. This is what you are. God gave you the ability to reason. He gave you affection, to, to be affectionate. He gave you the, the imagination that you have. God gave these things to you. Everybody has a body, spirit, and soul. Now, again, put it in the context of a 20, 25, 30-year-old individual. Put, put it in whatever age you are. Put it in the context of that. Satan is always working. He's been sinning since the beginning. He's going to go on sinning. We are not unaware of Satan's devices, so we know that there's going to be a certain path that he is going to try to get into your mind. Brother Branham says that the, the mind is the womb uh, of the spirit. In other words, you take it down in, in, in The Greatest Battle Ever Fought. He begins to explain, you take it down the avenue of your thought, and it begins to manifest in the inside, right? It manifests in your heart. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart. In other words, the intelligence, the brain, the, the matter is not the intelligence. It's the spirit. It's who you are on the inside. And that person, there is a reason, there is conscience, there is memory, affections, imagination. But the memory, if we just take that and isolate that for a second, memory is a very physical thing, right? So let's say your um, uh, memory, and, and just to go through it, memory is the, uh, is, uh, the myelination of glial cells in your, in your cerebral cortex. So it's, it's electrical impulses that, that cause little things to go off, and that's a memory. So your, um, your parents spank you, and that causes a memory. I remember um, my dad spanking me. It's actually very awkward for me to think about right now. Um, <laughs> but I remember him spanking me and me just standing there pulling up my pants and walking out of the room crying. <clears throat> That's a memory. I can't get rid of it. As much as I would like to, I can't get rid of it. And uh, that's, that's, that's a physical thing. You understand? So we all have memories. We all have... The interesting thing is that God has a memory because he said, I will remember their sins no more. So he willingly forgets. Paul said in this chapter, he said, forgetting those things which are behind. So you have to have the willingness to forget. But memory is also an avenue of Satan into your mind. Right? Let's say someone was sexually abused as a child. You won't forget that. It's, it's a shame, but someone won't forget that. You carry that with you. That's a scar. Brother Benham would talk about scars in, in your spirit that you carry with you. That affects how you raise your children. That affects how you deal with your spouse. That affects a number of different things. Satan will use that as an avenue to affect you wrongly, to make wrong decisions. He, he will. So let's say you, you deal with, um, and I've, I've talked about this many times, but just for the, to bring us all together here, um, uh, you, imagination can also be something that is, it's, it's God-given, but Satan can use it. Imagination is the, um, is the ability to take what is contextual around you and create a subtext. So in other words, you, your imagination is the ability to construct something from a reality. So I, I, can, I can visualize a giant elephant right here, a pink elephant. Now, I have a very vivid imagination. I know that about myself. I have a very vivid, vivid imagination. So I can see a pink elephant right here. But I've seen an elephant, and I know what the color pink looks like. And I am in this reality. So I'm bringing those things together, and that's how my brain works. Every one of us has an imagination. 
Brother Branham said in multiple places, he said, you can limit God by your own imagination. So in other words, Satan will get into you and you'll begin to imagine all kinds of things. Let's say someone says something about you, or I actually think this is something more so in this culture. You'll begin to imagine something about yourself, about how people perceive you, and that will drive you to behavior that is unhealthy. Uh, uh, That happens especially with a, a, a girl. That can happen with a guy. Oh, I'm not perceived as being cool because you're imagining what's happening in their minds. You have no idea what's happening in that person's mind. But you think, well, they're looking at me and they're thinking my shoes aren't as cool as this guy's. It, it, it can happen when you uh, are going to buy a car. You think, well, everybody is going to look at me as being cooler if I have a nicer car, which is actually probably true. They probably will. <laughs> but you can think in your decision-making is skewed because of an imagination that you have about someone, how, how they may or may not perceive you. That is the wiles of the devil, of which we are not unaware if we spiritually grow up a little bit. Now, we have memory, we have affections. You bring all those together. Let's say, <clears throat> Brother Bannum, he was standing in front of this, this brother. Okay, so he was standing in front of this brother. He was, um, he, was, he was there. Brother Bannum is praying for this individual, and he says, now, brother, you've got stomach trouble. Is that right? He said, yes, I've got stomach trouble. And he says, now, that's not the cause. The stomach trouble is not the, the issue. Fear is causing that stomach trouble. A lot of people say that, um, psycho- that I've heard this term, psychology is wrong. Um, and to me, the Holy Spirit is the greatest psychologist that ever was. I think psychology has its place when it's used by the Holy Spirit. Because Brother Bannum wasn't producing psychology, and he said, this is not psychology. And that is wrong if it was psychology. But psychologists, the Holy Spirit is the greatest psychologist that ever lives. Watch this. He was there. He said, now, it's fear that's causing the stomach trouble, right? He said, now, what's causing the fear? And he goes way back, and he says, now, you were chased by a dog way back when you were a kid. And you've held that fear all the way up, and now that fear is producing... Stomach trouble in you. If, if that isn't the Holy Spirit discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart and performing psychology on someone, then I don't know what is. That's, that's not, that's not uh, you know, um, that's, that's a good thing. So the Holy Spirit was there doing that. And then this man, he was dealing with something that was way back when. His memory was affecting him. And Satan had caused, by reason... And probably by uh, conscience, he had caused his, his memory to work against him to produce that fear that turned into something that was a physical stomach problem way later in his life when the actual thing happened way back here. So he wasn't able to elevate. His, his perspective wasn't able to change. He wasn't able to deal with what was going on, and it was causing a physical problem when in actuality it was something that was ingrained in his memory from a child that he, didn't even, he wasn't even correlating. He wasn't even a, 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 a chain, a, affecting that. He wasn't even thinking about that, and it was causing that problem. The Holy Spirit went right through and said, that's a problem. And he said, listen, man, this is, this is fear. And fear is a valueless element. There's, no, there's nothing to fear. It's something that may or may not happen. Faith, there is substance to it because it is the evidence of the things that we do not see, the substance of the things that we hope for. Are you with me? So there's value to faith. There's no value to fear. But yet it was causing a real physical problem. Now, <clears throat> this is what we do. 
Paul says, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he says, we do not war after the flesh. Now, he's speaking to Holy Ghost-filled believers. I, I believe he's not, he's not speaking to someone who doesn't believe. He's talking to believers. Are we, is that right? He's talking to believers and he's saying, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of the stronghold. So in other words, if Satan is trying to produce a stronghold in you, then, he, then you can pull it down. Mighty are the weapons of our warfare, the pulling down. And what do we do? We cast down imaginations and every high thing. That actually means reason. Every reasoning, uh, which is an avenue of the, of the spirit, of, of, uh, in the spirit realm. Satan can use our own reasoning against us. Well, I think that just trimming the bottom of it or trimming split ends is not really cutting your hair. That's your reasoning through it. Are you with me? He's saying, imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, everything that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So in other words, when Paul says, I, I put away childish things, he's somewhat alluding to this when he's saying, I bring into the obedience, I bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. What is the obedience of Christ? His word. He's saying to the obedience of Christ and having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. He's saying this is how you use the Holy Ghost that you have. Satan is always going to be there to thwart what God is trying to do. Are you with me? He has nothing better to do. Sometimes, and I'll say, we all need to grow up. I say that of myself. I don't want to be someone who looks at the situation and says, well, I think it's okay. Or I'll just allow this to, to, to be in play. Or I know that I need to deal with this. The Holy Spirit has brought me into conviction with this, but I'm just going to let it sit. Sometimes we need to just grow up a little bit. This is one thing that we can do. I read this uh, quote. Um, I can't remember what year, but it was on New Year's Eve. I believe, I believe it was New Year's Eve, or it was close to, uh, from this pulpit. Brother Benham, he says, and tonight maybe cancer and co- has conquered you. Maybe something else has taken hold of you, some disease, even the disease of sin, or whatever it is. It may look dark and gloomy to you now. It may look like you'll never recover, but maybe it looks like you, you, you can't get over that TB or that prostate trouble or that lung trouble or whatever it is, tumor or crippled condition. The doctor may say, every hope is gone, but standing right by your side tonight, ready to take you into possession, <clears throat> stands the eyes stands the eyes of faith who sees the victory yonder through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's just summarizing everything that we just talked about. It stands are the eyes that sees the victory through Jesus Christ. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The fight, the continual bringing uh, into captivity every thought that sets itself against the knowledge of God, the continual pursuance of a life of Christ, bringing that into the obedience of Christ. And looking forward and saying, I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting because I have the victory. I'm fighting so that, I, so that Christ will be made known in me. That's why we fight, is, is so that the promise would be made known. Then he says this, hallelujah. He says, away with Satan and his gloom. And up 
with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that statement. Away with Satan and his gloom. You believe that there is a God. You believe that he deals in the hearts of, of men. You believe that the Holy Spirit can deal with you, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. You also believe in an enemy. And the enemy has nothing better to do than to thwart you, to, to, to use those avenues to get into you, into your decision-making, into how you approach college, into how you approach your life, into how you make decisions as an individual, as you begin to get into uh, marriage and you move into that scenario, all those decisions, you, those, those, uh, that bringing those into alignment with the Word of God, sometimes we just need to grow up spiritually. You need to stop dwelling on such a, 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 a level where the devil can just toss you around by every wind of doctrine and rise to the challenge of thinking, you know what, <clears throat> how I'm treating this person is wrong. I need to make that right. Or saying, I, I am treating that person wrong. I, I am doing this, so I'm going to make that right. I'm going I'm to do this. I am making these ridiculous financial decisions. I'm going to make that right. As he says here, <clears throat> I press towards the mark of the high calling of Christ. When you're on, a, when you're on a, a slope like this, which I've never been on a slope like that. I just would like to make you think that I have. <clears throat> when you're on a slope like this, you, you can't, you, you, you're, you're subject to the holds and the ability to climb. You're, you're subject to the discipline that you put in to the journey when you were on the ground in the climbing gym. So when you're pressing up towards the mark, Paul is saying here, he's saying, I, uh, Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended because we, we're not on the other side yet. We're fighting to get to the other side. We're fighting because we have the victory. We are fighting so that the promise may be made known. He says, this one thing I have not apprehended, but I count not myself to, to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, memory, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth to those things which are before. I press toward the mark of the high uh, mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ. If, if I could say anything to you, sometimes we just need to grow up spiritually. And sometimes it's just a matter of reaching forth and pulling forward and putting one foot in front of the other, grabbing a hold, pulling forward and pulling forward and pulling forward. Paul said, this is my pursuit. This is the image of spiritual maturity. When he said, I forget those things which are behind me. Everything else is a loss. The things that I want to do, I can be me. You do you, I'll do, I'll do me. I count all of that a loss so that I may achieve that which Christ has predestinated me to achieve. So that I can fulfill the promise that is mine. In the pursuit, in the fight, in the climb, in each decision that I make, I am pursuing and I am pressing towards the mark of the high calling of Christ. If I could say anything to you, don't stop pressing and pushing forward. But just set aside every weight that the devil puts against you. Uh, Understand that he has nothing better to do than to affect you and to get inside your head. That's what he does. So you can be discerning, you can be balanced, you can be sober. You can keep putting one foot, one hold, and keep pressing forward. Let's pray. Dad, won't you come on? Heavenly Father, Lord, I don't want any what-ifs. I don't want any I wish I had. And I'll have some. I'll have many, unfortunately. 
But Lord, I, 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 it's, it's not my desire to do that. And I, I pray, I raise my hand. Help me to grow up spiritually. Help me to stop playing around. As an individual, as, as, as I'm growing up, as I'm growing older, may, my, may my, uh, my spiritual desire correlate with my spiritual maturity. May I live in the power of the resurrection. May I look at what Paul is saying and press forward towards the mark of the high calling of Christ. I want the mountaintop perspective. I don't want to be down in the valley my whole life. I want you to elevate my perspective. I want to see things differently. I want to see things through the mind of Christ. So can you help us to do that? Can you mold us? Can you shape us? Can, you be, can, can I be willing to receive that correction? May I be willing to make slight alterations and push towards that mark? May we all pray that, Lord. May you grant it to us. How we love you and how we thank you. And thank you for the willingness, Lord, to keep pushing on. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. <clears throat> Amen. 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 Thank you, Steve. Let's stand to our feet. Welcome to uh, E-Retreat 2021. Sorry I was not here at the very beginning. But uh, we'll have a few things to say tonight. Good to have uh, our folks with us here tonight. For those of you that are watching online, there's no big uh, assembling of young people here. We're just our own, uh, our own youth group. And I trust that uh, around in different places that other uh, churches, uh, I know some of them are going to be getting their youth groups together and uh, having, doing something very similar here, having uh, just a gathering of their own and streaming. And uh, there was lots of groups and churches who were streaming uh, tonight. So uh, we're glad to have you tonight. And uh, we want you to set this time aside to, uh, to learn and to grow and be challenged by things that are being said. And I think we got off to a great start and just some wonderful things that, uh, that uh, Steve is bringing out to us here tonight. And I don't think you can talk about this subject enough, how to grow spiritually. And what a great time uh, it, it is for you to begin to think about that in your own life. Because the devil will never give you a good time to get serious with God. He'll never give you a, an open window. He'll never give you a, a, you know, a, a season in your life where, hey, everything is pushed back and everything's moved away. So now this would be a good time for me to concentrate on spiritual things. The devil will never give you that. You got to seize that moment. You got to go after it. And I believe that God would be pleased with that. Let's sing just this little chorus tonight. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Right now. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Right now. We lift our hands. 
Father, may we take that challenge, Lord, to heart. Every one of us, we should grow up spiritually. And Lord, we should take advantage of applying the word in our own hearts and lives, that we can we can demonstrate that character and maturity that you place within our lives. And Lord, it's going to be our doing. It's going to be our efforts, Lord. It's going to be our desire that places that character, Lord, in the forefront. Because we know, Lord, that there are things that we can do in this process or things that we can do in this, in this walk of ours. And, Lord, we just desire to just to be sensitive to what you're teaching us and what you're saying to us, Lord. This is not about just me looking after me, but, Lord, this is me surrendering my life to you, that you can use me and that you can flow through me. But, Lord, i gotta, I got to let go and let you do that. i got to let go and let you have your way. And so, Father, we thank you and ask now that you would uh, just be our guide and order our steps and lead us, Lord, I pray. Forgive us of the time we've wasted, Lord, and the things that maybe we have missed along the way. And, Lord, these retreats, these gatherings, Lord, and these services like this are reminders, Lord, that you have placed great things in our path. You have sown great seeds in our life. And, Lord, we want them to come into a real good harvest in our lives. So, Lord, we just commit the balance of these meetings now into your hands and thank you for your mercy to us. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Just want to say hello to Brother Paul and uh, the folks up in Toledo. They're listening today. They have a bunch of different activities going on the same way and uh, they were tuning in today. So we sure miss Brother Paul. We sure miss Brother Paul. I mean, there's really, uh, you know, how do you have a retreat without Brother Paul, right? You really don't. You really don't. It's been nice. But anyway, let's just say this, that uh, we are glad that you're you're here and all of you that are online, and uh, may God bless you. We're going to dismiss this group here right away and uh, let you grab your lunch. We're going to have a singing practice at 6, so the people who are singing, if if you would let them get in line first, uh, that would be great. So, uh, I, I appreciate Brother Steve uh, taking the thought today that he did. And uh, he does have a vivid imagination, especially about that spanking thing. None of that is true. It's just all his imagination. It's all in his head. None of it really happened. I was there. None of it really happened. So, But bless his heart. Uh, we, we appreciate him tackling the, that subject tonight, which is really, really wonderful. Let's sing this evening as we go. Have your...